0: Turn in your Bibles this evening to the book of Genesis in chapter number forty-nine. Chapter number forty-nine of the book of Genesis, and uh, we shall find our text there this evening. And I was going to start back at verse number one and read verses two, one and two and just pray, but I think I'm going to read the text verses I'm going to preach tonight. And uh, I think it would just it wouldn't dis, it wouldn't be a disadvantage to us to read them more than once. And so let's uh, let's start there in verse number thirteen. Uh, last week we read to verse number twelve and uh, preaching this thought, and um, we um, we we started with the part one. I said of the message, and um, uh, this few part message. I I think it's going to be about four, um, and uh, so I, I I didn't even get. I didn't even get done with the distinguished. There's just so much study in it, and I've spent hours upon hours in it, and I asked the Lord to help us tonight. And so I believe he's going to. There's a lot in these that um, you might not know about and that I preferably didn't really know about until you really dig deep into them. And so I pray that the Lord would help us as we, uh, as I have dug deep into them. And I'm purposely not listening to other scriptures. Um, a lot, there's a lot, there's other people who preach on this. Not many that preach on this. Honestly, um, I've not found many sermons on the internet uh, of people audio form preaching on this uh, term. But well, my favorite preacher preaches on them, uh, Brother Tim Falor. And uh, I purposely don't listen to his sermons on this because I do not want to take anything from his sermons. I want to be specifically on what the Lord has given us. And uh, last week, I listened to his sermon after um, I preached. And um, I was amazed kind of how it kind of correlated together. And um, and so, so um, I, I purposely don't do that to um, not discredit you guys. So... I want to get exactly what the Lord wants for us here at Mountain Valley. Not Milton, not Milton, Florida, but Mountain Valley and Saluda. And so that's what we're going to try to do tonight. Now, verse number 13 of the book of Genesis, chapter number 49. The Bible says, Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for a haven of ships, and his borders shall be unto Zid- Zidon. His car is a strong ass couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good in the land; that it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulders to bear, and became a servant unto, unto tribute. Let's skip verse sixteen and seventeen. We have already hit those. Verse number nineteen: Gad, a troop, shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at, la- at the last. Out of Asher's bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. Nathtali is a hind let loose; he giveth goodly words. That's all we'll read tonight. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Lord, we love you. We ask you to help us. We ask you, Lord, to please help us tonight. We need your help. Lord, pray you bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go back to verse number 1 and verse number 2. I'm going to read them for you. And the Bible says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that they may tell you that which, which shall befall you in the last days. Um, that's the last days. That's speaking prophetical. That's not speaking on the time that they were sitting at the bedside of Jacob as he's dying, but that's speaking in the prophetical sense of what Jacob, what will come for the nation of Israel. And so in verse number 2, the Bible says, Gather yourselves together, and hear ye sons of Jacob hearken unto Israel your father. And so, so as he's speaking here, he's speaking the blessings of the Lord on to, on to his sons. He's speaking his blessings to his, his sons. His 12 children, 12 sons, he had one daughter by the name of Dinah. And he's speaking prophetic blessings upon them. Some were disqualified in those blessings as we learned last week that there was four of them. That was disqualified, and that being Reuben, and that being Simeon, and that being Levi, and then that being Dan. There's four of them that were disqualified in that. And then there were some of them who were distinguished, as I mentioned last week. We preached on one last week. We preached on Judah. And so, um, as we read about those, that those men who were disqualified had committed sins... uh, that had caused them to become disqualified from the blessings of the Father. They had not all become disqualified from the blessing of the Heavenly Father, but they had become disqualified from the blessing of their earthly father, Jacob. Uh, He was not going to bless them with much things. He was just going to tell them of their sin on a mostly basis. and so then we were able to start the sons of distinguished and, uh, and that uh, was Judah and we learned of Judah and the tribe of Judah and we learned that out of the tribe of Judah came a man by the name of Jesus uh, and came a lot of men, came a lot of men all the way down through the Israel's uh, eternity and all the way down to Christ and you can read all of them in Matthew chapter 1 and you can read all about them. But we learned of uh, the distinguishing of Judah and we learned of his crimes uh, We learned of the covenants that Jacob had made with him. Uh, We learned of his confession that he had confessed his sins uh, unto Joseph, all the sins that he had committed towards him. And then we learned of him and Christ uh, and how he typed Christ and how it could not type Christ, excuse me, but how those verses 11 and verse number 12 could also be referring to Christ and could be referring uh, to Judah. But it also could be referring to Christ being... uh, that Christ is going to come back and he comes from the line of the tribe of Judah and so on and so on. But I'm thankful for the Lord helping us last week and this week we're going to jump into part 2. As I titled it, distinguished, excuse me, Disqualified, Distinguished, Different, and Dead. Disqualified, Distinguished, Different, and Dead. I'm going to preach them in that exact order. And so I want you to know with me, look with me tonight, there were some who were distinguished. And so as I said last week, some of these sons were distinguished and were headed for blessings down the road. Down the road, there were going to be some type of blessing that were going to come upon them from the words of their father, Jacob, that he had promised them. Something was going to come down the road and happen to them, and this was the blessings that he had given them. And by the way, the word blessing doesn't always refer to something good. As you found, Reuben was not blessed goodly. And so, um, but these were, and that's what we're going to hit on. And they were elevated to a place of prominence when Israel would become a kingdom. We know Israel became a kingdom in 1948, by the way. Or they became a nation in 1948. Uh, and uh, most of these blessings had already taken place. But there is going to be some blessings in the kingdom ages. Uh, on down the road when there will be the thousand year reign of Christ on the earth. Uh, and nonetheless. But we've learned of Judah. Now we see. I want you to notice the distinguishing of Zebulun. The distinguishing of Zebulun. I will say this, okay. There is... um. Um, there's a lot of study that has to go into this if you're going to get this out of it. Because you. what I like to do is I like to find the word Zebulun in the Bible and read every verse that says it in it. And if you do that slowly, you will find, and Zebulun's mentions 46 times... Uh, in the in, in the Bible, it's mentioned forty three times in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament, and it's spelled different. So if you're searching the words, you got to be careful. But I just want you to know that. That I want you to notice a f- about five or six things about Zebulun, and we'll be done. I don't know how long I'll be preaching tonight. It probably won't be long, um, but but I, I got these few people I want to get through. I want you to notice the ranking of Zebulun. So the ranking of Zebulun. So Zebulun is the tenth son of Jacob, and he is the sixth son and last son of Jacob's wife Leah. And it is kind of odd to me as we read these passages, uh, as we've just read in verse number thirteen that Zebulun is uh, of the. Zebulun is mentioned in verse thirteen, and then Issachar is mentioned in verse fourteen. Now. It has been completely in order up to this point. Uh, Zebulun is not uh, the 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 fifth son of Leah. I mean, of, of Leah. Yeah, he's not the fifth son of Leah. He is the sixth son of Leah. Issachar is the fifth son of Leah. And so, for some reason or another, there is a flip there where where Jacob blesses Zebulun before he blesses. Um, Issachar, I don't know why, I cannot tell you why, but Reuben, it goes Reuben, it goes Simeon, Levi, it goes um, to Judah, and then it goes on to Zebulun, that's five, he is not the fifth son, I just want to let you know that, Um, but Jacob and Leon it dismantles this order here, and then Zebulun is younger than Issachar, And so uh, I do not know the reason for sure, but I'm sure there is one, and we might hit on that in a little bit, and through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he tells us. But the ranking of him is he is the tenth son of Jacob, and he is the fifth son of Leah, uh, last son, sixth son, excuse me, of uh, Leah and Jacob. And so I want you to notice the ranking of him. Secondly, I want you to notice the rendering of of Zebulun, the rendering of Zebulun. The Bible says in in Genesis, in chapter number 30, uh, right here, in chapter number 30, when Zebulun was born, uh, the Bible tells us um, in verse number 19, let me read that verse for you. I'm trying to get in a gear here. The Bible says, And Leah conceived again, and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him Six sons and she called his name Zebulun. And then verse number 21 tells us that she bore a daughter by the name of Dinah. And so I find it odd as well that Dinah did not get blessed, by the way. But that's a nonetheless thing. I'm just going to run that little rabbit for a second because I ain't got nothing to say about her because I haven't studied on her much because it doesn't say much about Dinah. But Zebulun here said that the Lord, my my, 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 my husband, when I love me, he'll love me, he'll love me because I've bore him six sons. And so Zebulun really isn't spoken of much in the Bible. And as we see in this verse, the only thing that is mentioned, you know, my... Yeah, in the verse that we read tonight, the only thing that's mentioned of him is the blessing of location. It does not say anything else about Zebulun besides his location. And so I'm, we're going to get into that. And there's nothing else there. And I find that kind of odd because last one was Judah. Is that right? And Judah was blessed in every way. Judah was blessed, uh, um, Judah was blessed numerically. Judah was blessed uh, locationally. And Judah was blessed in every way that you could possibly think of. Judah was blessed and I'm sure that maybe Zebulun would come up uh, and Zebulun was thinking, well, I'm going to get something too. Uh, but then he only tells him his location. It only tells him about his location. And so in these verses we've just read, we found the birth of him there in Genesis chapter number 30. And the birth of him, and we also find the possible meaning of his name. The name Zebulun means dwelling or it means honor. It means dwelling or, or honor. And if you study a little deeper, you can read in First Chronicles, in chapter number 12, uh, and verse number 33, where the Bible says, "...of Zebulun, such as went forth uh, to battles, expert in war, uh, with all instruments of war, 50,000 uh, uh, which could keep rank, uh, they were not of double heart." Uh, it says that, and if you don't know anything about First Chronicles chapter number 12, uh, you would find in that passage that that's a lot of people going to battle there. There's a lot of people, and all twelve tribes are spoken of in that place. Uh, there's actually uh, more than that. There is, speaks of uh, it speaks of Manasseh, and it also speaks of um, God help me here. Uh, it also speaks of the other son of uh, Je- Joseph, uh, but uh, Ephraim. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but that's a lot of people going to battle, and in in a whole, uh, Zebulun brings fifty thousand. He brings fifty thousand. Well, you say, preacher, what are they battling for? Well, they're battling to put. David in as king of Israel and David is going to be the reigning king of Israel and then Jesus is going to be on the throne of David uh, and for them to put David into their place uh, he had and that is the will of God we found that out last week it is the will of God uh, because that's when what does it say it says uh, um, that the scepter shep- shall not depart from Judah until, or lawgiver from his um, whatever I cannot remember it all and it says until Shallow come, uh, until Jesus comes, so it's beginning to be uh, a, per, a prophetical statement, uh, and then Zebulun comes along and says, I will give 50,000 of my men uh, to fight in this battle, uh, and it, to make David king. Uh, of the land and if you read all of that chapter you'll find out that out of all the tribes that are there to fight Zebulun is the biggest he's the biggest one that comes and he brings 50,000 of his men and so the rendering of Zebulun thirdly I want you to notice with me the region of uh, Zebulun. Uh, okay, this is going to get good. You hang with me. Everybody with me, right? Uh, in our text here, you find it says uh, very clearly, Zebulun shall dwell at the haven uh, of the sea, uh, and he shall be in haven uh, for ships. Uh, I am a, I am a guy who goes back and looks at what these words mean. Uh, I am a guy that looks at these things. Uh, but I want to say this. I believe... Uh, that they got it wrong this time. Uh, you say, well, what, are you talking about the King James Bible? No, I'm not talking about the King James Bible. But here's what the fact is, is, is that the ha- word haven uh, means seashore, or it can mean refuge. Uh, and if you look up in the Blue Letter Bible, that's what I use. You look up in the the uh, or Noah's Webster Dictionary, or whatever it may be. Uh, if you look it up in there, especially in the Blue Letter Bible, and you use the Strong's Concordance, which I refer to a lot... Uh, And it goes to the Greek lexicon and you read there and it and it, say, it puts both of these words in the Greek term as hop or hop or however you say it in the Greek word and both of them mean seashore but I don't believe that's the truth I believe that one of them means seashore which is the first one it says Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea and then I believe the second one is speaking of a refuge it says and he shall be for a haven of ships he shall be as a haven of ships. I think they got that wrong. I'm not a Greek lexicon guy all the time, but I believe they got that wrong there. But could I get you to do something that I've never gotten you to do before? Could I get you to do something while we're here? Turn with me to your Bible maps. Okay? Turn with me to your Bible maps. That's what I want you to do tonight. And I want to look for a second at our Bible maps, Okay? It's in the back of your Bible. And I want you to go, if you got it, to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now it says uh, Zebulun will be a haven uh, uh, at the sea. Is that right? Be a haven by the sea. Uh, And so has everybody found the tribes of Israel, 12 tribes? Does everybody have the 12 tribes of Israel where it says that? Okay, you see this? Mine says the 12 tribes of Israel right here above at the top of my page. If you don't have that, that's fine. But do you have in your maps something that shows Manasseh, and it shows um, uh, Asher, and it shows Zebulun, it shows Issachar, it shows all those things. Does anybody have that? This is when I wish wish we had a screen, okay? Um, This is when I wish we did sometimes. Okay, if you don't have that, I want everybody to look up here at me. If you do have that, don't worry about it. You can look at your Bible. Here we are, okay. This is my Bible, and this is my maps. I got a lot of stuff in my Bible, so I really got to hold this thing tight. And so here, you, everybody, see this little part, point where my where my where my uh, where my fingers showing? Where my fingers pointing directly right here is Zebulun. You got Judah. You got Simeon. You got uh, Ephraim. You got Manasseh. You got Issachar. You got Zebulun. You got Asher. And so everybody, I want, I want you to... I, I'm going to take this and I'm going to look around, okay? You see where Zebulun is? I mean, Yeah, you see where Zebulun is? Everybody see where Zebulun is right here? You got it, you got it, good. You see where Zebulun is? You got it? You ain't got it. see where Zebulun is? Y'all see where Zebulun is? Y'all got it? Okay, well, Zebulun's right here. This is where you'll find Zebulun, okay? And so, if if you have it in your Bible, and if you were to look down at your Bible and find it, um, you were to see, you might look in you know, around, around Jerusalem, Egypt. You were to see, have you found it? Y'all got it? Okay, so everybody see where, where, where their Bible maps have, uh, have Zebulun? Now you tell me, is Zebulun at the haven of the sea? It's not. Zebulun is not at the haven of the sea in your Bible maps. I do look at Bible maps because I like to see and point out the wrongdoings. Can I just say this? The Bible maps are not inspired. Amen. The Bible maps are not inspired. God did not write, uh, give inspiration to write down the Bible maps. Uh, he did not send them over on the scrolls. Uh, or any of those things, the Bible maps are not inspired. If you don't believe me, you can go and look at the Red Sea and find that when it was crossed, it was crossed on a small part in the edge. But the book of Psalms tells me that they crawl, and Exodus tells me that they cross through the midst, the middle. And so I just want you to know that it's not inspired. But, uh, but we can all agree in here that it's not a haven, a haven of sea. It's not at the seashore, is that right? and so so, so, let me just say this, I study this for hours, and the bible they're not inspired at all, but we'll we'll hit a little bit, bit on this in just a little bit, so just keep in mind uh, where that is and so we've seen the region uh, of Zebulun, according to the Bible maps, the region of zebulun, and then I want you to see fourthly, I want you to see the rejoicing uh, of zebulun now, the rejoicing of zebulun i'm going to go back to genesis chapter forty nine you remember where it is uh, I read almost Every verse in the Bible that says Zebulun. Like I mentioned, 46 times in the whole Bible. 43 times in the Old Testament and 3 times in the New Testament. And there are a few interesting verses that I found concerning him. Deuteronomy in chapter number 33, uh, the Bible does talk about it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of your Bible. And Deuteronomy chapter 33, uh, in verse number 18, uh, the Bible says, And of Zebulun he said... Rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out, uh, and Issachar, in thy tents. Uh, he tells Zebulun to rejoice in his going out, uh, and rejoice. Why would why would Zebulun rejoice? Why is Zebulun going to have to rejoice? Uh, and he w- he he was told to rejoice, uh, not just rejoice, but rejoice in his going out. Uh, and so, what does that mean? Uh, not coming in, uh, but not coming out, but not even coming in, but going out okay hang tight don't uh, uh, just catch me here I want you to notice this last point that I have for you I want you to notice not only the rejoicing of Zebulun, but fifthly I want you to notice the Redeemer and Zebulun. Hold tight. The Redeemer and Zebulun. Here's another interesting verse. Isaiah in chapter number 9, okay? You might know that chapter. Isaiah in chapter number 9, the Bible says in verse 1, Nevertheless the dimness shall not be such as, as was in her vexation, which when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations hang tight the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light that they dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light Shined. it does not say a light. okay it's still in the context in speaking to zebulun and naphtali in verse three thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy they joy because the according to because before thee according to the joy in harvest Harvest is something that has been grown out of that, okay? Has come out of that. It's something that's growing within it, right? Everybody agree with me on that. Okay, and and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil for thou. Let's let's go to verse 6. Verse 6, the Bible says, For unto us a a child is born, uh, unto us a son is given. And who's us? Zebulun? And Naphtali, unto us a child is given; unto us a child is born; unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, uh, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Thy Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom, to order it, and so on. Uh, and so it's telling us right there that there is something unto us is given, Uh, unto us a child is given, Uh, now you say preacher, we know that we know Jesus was born in in Bethlehem, and I understand he was born in Bethlehem uh, but don't don't miss what I'm going to say in just a minute Uh, there is a Zebulun rejoicing once again, uh, in verse number 4 it says joy uh, and joy and joy and joy Uh, and Jacob was telling uh, uh, him, uh, back then where you'll be, uh, will be by the See, uh, and you'll put your descendants in a perfect place. Uh, how is it a perfect place? Uh, well, well, well. We saw where Je- Zebulun was remotely, according to uh, the Bible maps. Uh, I want you to know. And by the way, most scholars have no earthly idea what in the world these verses are talking about. By the way, when it's mentioned in Zebulun, uh, but in Matthew, in chapter number four, I think that's the verse. I all I forgot to write it down. Uh, uh, but I read it about a thousand times. Um, let me see. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 13. The Bible says, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is up on the sea coast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali." And that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prop by Isaiah. Isaiah uh, that's Isaiah the prophet saying, "The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, uh, by the way of the sea." It does not say. Uh, it does not say it's on the sea. It says by the way of the sea. Uh, and uh, by the way, there's a little stream. Even if you look on your Bible maps, uh, that goes between uh, that separates Zebulun, uh, and it separates um the um it separates the one right below him. Um, God help me, Manasseh, uh, and it separates them. In in your Bible maps is just a small stream that you could see uh, coming off the River Jordan there, uh, and it says the land of Zebulun and, by the way, excuse me, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. By the way, the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. That's you and I, friend. Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow upon death, light is sprung up. It did not say that light was born there. It says that light was sprung up from that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent from the kingdom of heaven is at hand now we're talking about the Redeemer and Zebulun here and where did Jesus live anybody know where Jesus lived Nazareth. Jesus lived in Nazareth. Uh, John chapter 1 and verse 46, Nathanael saith unto him, uh, Nathanael saith unto Philip, he's talking to Philip, "Uh, has there ever been any good that come from Nazareth? Uh, And I'm paraphrasing, uh, has there ever been any good that come from Nazareth? Uh, And if you do some study, you'll find uh, that Nazareth is 15 miles southwest of the Sea of Galilee, uh, and 20 miles uh, northwest uh, northeast uh, of of uh, the Mediterranean Sea you'll never believe where I'm going to tell you it puts Nazareth Zebulun it puts Nazareth in Zebulun he says very clearly uh, thank God I feel God all over it he says very, very clearly uh, that out of this place uh, that it will be a haven uh, for all the ships that come in. Uh, by the way, in chapter 4 of the book of Mark, uh, it tells us that there were also little ships with him. Uh, there were a bunch of little ships. Uh, and who was the one who calmed the sea uh, that day? This isn't just a rabbit, but it was the it was it was Jesus, by the way. Uh, he calmed the sea, and it didn't just affect the ship he was in. Uh, it affected also those little ships that were with him and so Jesus is in that place and he's in there and I tell you is that, that according to verse number 15 as we read in Matthew chapter 4 it is by the way of the sea it is by the way Zebulun was by the sea both east and both west could be seen by, could, could, you could see a sea whether it be the sea of Galilee or whether it be the Mediterranean Sea both way he looked he could see the sea and so why should he rejoice in his going out well according to verse 13 Capernaum bordered both Zebulun and Nephilim it bordered both of those places that's your Bible maps are wrong it recorded both of those places and can I just tell you that 90% of Jesus' miracles and ministry took place in in Capernaum? In Capernaum. 90% of those things and you know his descendants were blessed in a perfect place to experience more of the work of Christ and he could rejoice in that he said rejoice in your going out Zebulun because out of you he was not born by the way he was born in Bethlehem Judea we can find that in Luke chapter 2 and we can find that in all the scriptures Bethlehem Judea that's in Judah that's the land Judah was given right below Jerusalem is Bethlehem, Judea and I tell you it's a long ways from Bethlehem they had to go all the way through Manasseh to get there and Manasseh is a big place they had to go through Benjamin to get there they had to go all those lands but I tell you the truth is that if he was raised in Nazareth as the word tells us that he was Nazareth is in Zebulun isn't that good? Praise the Lord, friend. He could rejoice in that. Uh, and also, Jesus' first miracle was where? Cana. He was in Cana. He turned the water and the wine, John chapter number 2. And Cana was in Zebulun. He's seen the first miracle of Jesus in Zebulun. He said, hey, you'll be a haven for ships. Down there, down there by the sea, you can be something good down there. You might be small, Zebulun. But I'm going to use you as a perfect place for you and your descendants to see Jesus growing up. All those years could see Jesus growing up. Beloved, I tell you, we can rejoice in the fact that we have been put in one of the best places in the world. When it comes to the gospel, we've been put in the best place in the world and a person doesn't hear it. They don't want to hear it. And over there by the sea, Zebulun got to experience the king of kings leaving his home in and preaching the glorious gospel in the land of Zebulun. Zebulun could truly rejoice in what came out of him. Amen. The distinguishing of Issachar. Verse number 14. Man, I thought I I could have just preached that one tonight. I mean, I preached 30 minutes already. I preached that one. And Issachar is a strong ass couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good in the land, that it was pleasant, about his shoulder to bear, and became a servant under tribute. So, with these verses, I had to study on two things. I had to study on Issachar, and I had to study on the ass, the donkey. And there's not a whole lot said in the scripture about Issachar, but I want to see a few things. I want you to see number one Issachar's position. So his placement in the family is not son of Jacob, and he is uh, the fifth son of Leah. I want you to see, secondly, I want you to see his position, I want you to see his placement. His placement, and so Ishkar in, in verse number 15, uh, and he saw that, excuse me, verse number 15a, and he saw that rest was good in the land, that it was pleasant. He speaks of his land there, he speaks of his land there. Now, now <clears throat> the land he was given was very pleasant. If you do some study there of Issachar, you'll find the Bible map's wrong again, by the way. But Issachar, on the edge of Issachar, is what we know as the Valley of Megiddo. And it's one of the prettiest places, and it's going to be one of the bloodiest places one day. Because the Valley of Megiddo is where the Battle of Armageddon will take place someday, when Jesus will stomp through and crush those who, and make his enemies his footstool. He will be ruling with a rod of iron that day, and he will absolutely be covering the horses' bridles with blood, and his blood, his, and the blood will be covered. On him, and he'll be, you know all that story. Yeah. Um, but, but I tell you, is that uh, Megiddo is the edge of that land, and they say it's a beautiful agricultural land, and, and the land he was given was pleasant, okay? It was pleasant. And so we've seen the placement of Issachar. And then, thirdly, I want you to notice Issachar's potential. Now, the Bible says in verse number 14 Issachar is a strong ass. He's a strong, so, so there's potential spoken of in these verses here uh, that he was strong, and he was a strong tribe. Uh, and according to Numbers chapter 26 and the census that they took there, uh, he was the third largest tribe out of them all. And so that's what you need to know, and I won't go no farther than that. Then fourthly, I want you to notice, Ishakar's uh, pitfalls. His pitfalls, Uh, verse number 14 at the end, it says, is a strong ass couching down between two burdens. Uh, Verse number 15 at the end, and bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant to tribute. Uh, And so uh, there's a few pitfalls I want to point out. And the first one is, uh, if you study on the donkey, you'll find uh, that they're workers, uh, but oftentimes they can be stubborn. They can be stubborn people. They can be stubborn uh, donkeys, rather. They can be stubborn. uh, And this image of a donkey is lying down uh, between its burdens. uh, And it can also be interpreted two ways, by the way. Uh, On one hand, you can look at it, and it could portray a sturdy uh, uh, animal resting for the task that was ahead uh, with a burden on this side and a burden on that side. Uh, Or, on the other hand, uh, donkeys are also known uh, to stubbornly crouch down between their burdens uh, to keep from having to do the work anymore. They don't want to keep they they they, they crouch down uh, to keep from having to do the work that they, they used to that they that they wanted to do that the their servants wanted them to do uh, or whatever it may be. Uh, they're, they, they're known to crouch down in between that uh, and you know I, I, I they do it to keep from having to do the work. Yeah I believe it to be the latter according to context, by the way. Because it says Iskar, well, and he saw that rest was good. And he bowed. Hey, he, he, he saw that rest was good. I believe in context, it's the la- context is the latter part. I believe that Iskar was a lazy tribe. I believe he was. Second pitfall, if we look at 1 Chronicles chapter number 12, verse number 32. We read in verse number 33 where it says, it tells us very clearly that um, the tribe of Zebulun brought 50,000 into the battle, right? Isakal brought 200. He brought 200 into battle that day. You know, we can find... uh, Icar bringing their troops in a battle and zebulun was how many it was fifty thousand then Issachar brings two hundred could that be laziness it could be could be third thing is that if you read second kings in chapter number fifteen and verse through verse I mean, through chapter number seventeen, you can find that as being a part of the northern kingdom under jeroboam uh, Issachar's tribe was eventually conquered by the assyrians uh, and I think um, 720 B.C., around that time, it was conquered by the Assyrians and therefore being servants under tribute. Tells us that in that verse right there. You say, what does tribute mean? Well, they're practically forced to give themselves. If you had to bring a tribute in those days, it was typically a tribute of money. You brought a tribute, you were giving something because you had to. And they had to give themselves because they had to. And so there was no fight in them, by the way. There was no fight in them. There was more than just them conquered that day. But be a Zebulun. Can I just give you that application? Faithful to your little place where you're at. Don't be a seemingly lazy Isocar. Thirdly, I want you to notice tonight the distinguishing of Gad. Verse number 19, the Bible says, Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. I don't have much in either one of these next few. Gad was the seventh son of Jacob, the first son of Leah. Leah's maid, Zilpha, And so uh, Gad is one of the two full tribes to not settle in the land of uh, uh, that God had blessed them with. They they settled on the east side of the Jordan rather than the west side of the Jordan. They didn't settle in the Promised Land, and as well as uh, Reuben and then the half tribe of Manasseh. There was a half tribe of Manasseh. So the half tribes of Manasseh is that one tribe's on this side of the Jordan and the other tribe is on this side of the Jordan, and they're the same tribe. So the half tribes of Jordan, I mean of Manasseh there. But Reuben and Gad settled on the east side of Jordan, mean they didn't even cross over to the promised land. And so so the name Gad is in our text and it simply means troop. It means troop. And according to the Bible, Gad never lost a battle. He never lost one battle that he fought. And and when he was born in Genesis chapter number 30, and verse number eleven, the Bible does tell us a few things that that she says about it. Let me read that real quick. Genesis thirty and verse number eleven. The Bible says, And Leah said, A troop cometh, and he and she called his name Gad. It's very simple. Very simple. And she gives the context of those verses right there. And she said a troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. And they were mighty warriors. And they were a tribe who put their trust in God. In the God of Israel, by the way. They were a, a tribe that did those things. And I am going to turn over this verse. Thank you, Lord, for letting me turn right to it. Uh, the Bible says in First Chronicles in chapter number five, uh, verse number eighteen: "The sons of Reuben and the Gadites, that's Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh are of valiant men, men able to bear buckler and sword, and to shoot with bow, and skillful in war. Were four hundred and forty thousand seven hundred and three score. That is, uh, that is, uh, forty four thousand seven hundred and." Three score sixty. So that's what that is. And that went out to war. And they made war with the Hagarites and with Jetu and Nephthys and Nodab. I have missed a verse right here. Lord help me. Let's see. And they... and they, verse 20. And they were helped against them. And the Hagarites uh, were delivered into their hand. That is the three tribes there. And all that were with them. For they cried to God in the battle. And he was entreated of them. Happy of them. Uh, uh, satisfied with them. Uh, because they put their trust in him. He's a distinguished tribe. And they won because they trusted in him the Lord. Spurgeon said something phenomenal on this and I had to tell you about it. Spurgeon said this has been the blessing of many a child of God to fight and apparently to lose the battle yet to win it in the end hallelujah friend we might have lost the battle here but we have not lost the war friend jesus is coming and he will make his enemies his footstool and we will be with him we may seem to lose every battle that we fight upon this side of eternity but one day the battle will be over and jesus will be victor hallelujah friend He said, we, and seemingly, apparently, we've lost yet to win it at the end. That's Gad's story, and that is the blessing of Gad. As he said, Gad, a troop shall overcome him. It shall weigh him down, leave him, but he shall overcome at the last. Why did he overcome? Because he trusted in God. You trust in God, you overcome too. Hallelujah. The distinguishing of Gad, the distinguishing of Asher. The Bible says in verse number twenty, out of his out of Asher, his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. I need to preach this, so I just, I just I'm almost done. I promise. There's not much said of Asher; it's just on the side of food in this. That's all it's talking about. I like that. But let's see. Let's see a few. I want you to notice the position of Asher, so Asher was the youngest son of Leah's maid Zilpha. He was a younger son, and his name means happy. Isn't that good? Hallelujah, happy It tells us why in Genesis chapter thirty and verse number thirteen. I'm not going to turn there, but it tells you why there and he's located on the Mediterranean Sea, Eastern Galilee by the way, and um he's located up up I wish I could tell you he's about the highest tribe out of out of them all on the maps that you were look at he's got He's got Zidon and he's got Tyre Tyre and Sidon by the way and and Jesus said in Matthew chapter number four that Tyre and Sidon would have believed. Uh, they would have repented in sackcloth and athish. I just want to let everybody know that. Uh, If they had what we had, they would have repented. If, If Sodom and Gomorrah would have had what we had, they would have repented. That's what the Bible says, friend. But I just want you to know they didn't. But the position of Asher. Secondly, I want you to notice the promise of Asher. The promise verse number 20 the Bible says out of his bread shall be fat and he shall yield royal dainties is told that he'll yield royal dainties I like King James Bible and that dainties uh, it it just speaks simply of food it speaks of uh, good food it speaks of a lot of good food Uh, um, but that is he will be part of the kingdom and will serve the king in that day that's what it's speaking of and Jacob is looking beyond the present time he's looking past all that and he's looking down through the ages when the kingdom is set uh, and his land to this day is still known for its olives for its olives growth still known to this day I'm not saying it's called Asher anymore because it's not as far as I know but 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 it is still in that area of the Mediterranean Sea it's still known to yield olive, uh, olives and so I just want you to know that thirdly I want you to notice not only the position the promise I want you to notice the prophet prof, the prophetess of Asher the prophetess of Asher Luke Chapter 2, the Bible says, in verse number 36. Luke, chapter 2, verse 36. The Bible says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phimuel, of the tribe of Asher. That's Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with 107 years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she cometh in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Hey, there was somebody. This woman seemingly lived at the temple. I've heard a message on that. I preached on this a little while back. But, but but she was a devoted Christian. And what a testimony to the little bitty tribe of Asher. She come out of it and she witnessed in Jerusalem. And she told of the redemption of the Lord. That's a big word, isn't it? That's not a Matthew word. That's a Luke word. It's not talking about Israel. It's talking about all of them. There's the redemption, salvation, saving. Amen. Lastly, I want you to notice tonight the distinguishing of Naphtali. Verse 21, the Bible says Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Man, would you get anything out of that? That's tough, I know. It's tough, it was tough for me. But Naphtali is the sixth son of Jacob, the second son of Bilah, Rachel's handmaid. And as we've read and seen before, Naphtali is located directly north of Zebulun, directly above it. And uh, in this land is where the majority of Jesus' work was, in that land. Capernaum is located southeast side of the southeast side of Naphtali, and it surrounds the Sea of Galilee, Naphtali does. The people of Naphtali may have seen Jesus walk on water, but they did see Capernaum is in Naphtali. And uh, he is spoken of, as well as Zebulun, he's spoken of as Neftalim. is that right? And he's spoken of in Isaiah chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12 through 16 as well. And he gets his name meaning from Genesis chapter 30 and verse 8. uh, And his name simply means wrestling. It means wrestling. And I am not sure the meaning of high and let loose, by the way. I'm trying. I I, I tried and tried and studied and studied uh, I I could not find any commentator that appeased me. It didn't appease me. I don't believe it's the biblical. Uh, I don't believe it's the biblical view. And I'm not no high and mighty man, by the way. I, I'm just telling. you, I don't feel like the way they look at that stuff is just the biblical view. Uh, but it could have something to do with this. And this is what I found. I don't know if it's the truth, but this is what I found. Uh, but in the book of Judges, uh, in the book of Judges, let me read that. The book of Judges in chapter 5, there's a song that's taking place. Deborah and Barak. And they're, they're, they're having a song there in, in, in Judges chapter 5. In verse number 18, the Bible says, Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that je- jeoparded their lives unto death in the high places of the field. Now you tell me what can stand on something like this. A goat can. But what is it talking about in our text? You know deer can do? You know deer can climb just about anything. They can go up just about anything. And they can stand on high places. And it says there that they jeopardized their life in this battle on the high places. In the field. I don't know if that has anything to do with what that's talking about right there. But I feel like it could. Everybody else had a bunch of different crazy terms on it, like the liberty that a deer has, and all. I don't see nothing in scripture that tells me that, but I do. I do see where they fought on the high places, and I tell you one thing: there's a deer, and I know a deer can stand on some high places, and he can stand on some hills and some fields and that that sort of stuff. But but deer will go anywhere, and they'll risk their lives. It don't matter. They will. I want you to notice the words of Naphtali. The Bible says, he giveth goodly words. I believe there's a few ways to look at this and since it speaks of his words. First, Naphtali stood at the top of Mount Ebal and pronounced curses in Deuteronomy chapter number 27, verse 13 through 26. He pronounced curses and the people were not obeying the law in those days. And so therefore men had to stand up there. They weren't the only tribe that did. But men had to stand up there and they stood tall and they used their words to preach to the people. And the people said that they would obey them. And so they wouldn't obey the law and they gave them, I cannot remember how many judgments, but they judged them. They absolutely stood up there and sent out curses to them. Cursed if you kill your neighbor. I mean, it's literally that serious. I mean, that's the kind of stuff it says. Second, I believe it could be very fitting to be said of his words that they are goodly. Why? Because there was a lot of good words from Jesus that came from that land. Came from that land. Secondly, I want you to notice the wonders of Naphtali. This last one, I'm done. The time of Christ, the land of Naphtali, was part of the area of Galilee. So was Zebulun and Issachar. Galilee is up that high side. It's all up the left side. If you're looking at your maps, I'm comparing them with your maps. All up the s- southern side, up, up there on, um, excuse me, the western side. It's all up through there on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. And so... As it was viewed by the Jews in Judea of that day, it was viewed as a place of dishonor. Why? Well, it was full of Gentile pagans. It was full of Gentile pagans and as as I quoted to you earlier, as Nathaniel looked at Philip and said, what good could come out of Nazareth? John chapter 1 verse 46. What good could come out of that place? But Isaiah had prophesied that Naphtali would be honored in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. This honor came with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all Jesus' disciples, but Judas who betrayed him, came from Galilee. Just want to let everybody know that. All of them came from either of the, some of the, you got in Galilee, Issachar. Zebulun, and then Naphtali. That's Galilee. And in those lands, three little nobody knows about them. If you ask a a person about the Bible and ask them who Naphtali is, they probably are not going to know who he is. just say that. But what it's telling us here is all in Galilee, all those people, all the 11 disciples of Jesus, I mean, come from the place of Galilee. One of the three. And I tell you, much as the ministry of Jesus took place there, thus as the word of God said, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people that walked in darkness, by the way, Gentiles were known as darkness. Dogs. They were known as nothings. They had a wall of partition. It was not for the Gentiles. It was for the Jews. Jesus came to die for the Jew, by the way. But he came to die for all men. But if the Jews would have believed him, we'll stop there. It says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, uh, upon them hath the light shined. Revelation chapter 21 said, there will be no sun, no sun in heaven because the Lamb of God will be shining there. They've seen the light, friend. Uh, they've seen it, and that's not any light, but that is the light. The light. This is not any Bible or any book, but it is the Bible and the book. He is not a lamb, but he is the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He is not a line of Judah, but he is the line of Judah. And I tell you, friend, in this he is not a light, but he is the light. And he shone in a dark land. And friend, it was all in these little This is out of nowhere. This is the conclusion of the message. I'm done. Close my Bible. Here's what I want you to know. This is not what I got written down. Nothing. This is from the Lord. God cares about little things. Little is much when God is in it. And guess what? Little was a lot when God got in Zebulun. Little was a lot when God got in Issachar. Little was a lot when God walked through Naphtali. Because when he did, many got saved. You look through it. You look through it. and You'll find many got saved. It's amazing to see how some of these sons were distinguished, how they were headed for blessings on down the road, and how they received many of those just as it was prophesied. And the Lord's word will never return void. Can i tell you that. And I believe the application you can take from all these things is that you may be small. There's no telling what the Lord can do for you. Stand to your feet tonight, please. Disqualified. Distinguished. Different. And dead. Part two. I did not get to one more. That's distinguished and that's Benjamin. But I believe I'll spend more time with him. So Lord willing next week we'll try to hit Benjamin and Joseph. There's obviously a different. And there was only one out of all, of all that were different, and that was Joseph himself. By the way, just a quick time. By the way, Joseph, by the way, Joseph got double portion. We didn't go through it much. In, in, in chapter 48 Jacob blessed Manasseh and Ephraim and in that blessing Joseph took the double portion away from Reuben it was already taken away from him but this next when it talks about Joseph it's going to get deep it might take me two hours to preach you pray I'm just kidding Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you can do with someone small, someone like me, Lord. Lord, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, but, God, I'm thankful that with you, Lord, just, some, just nobody telling a bunch of nobodies about somebody who can save anybody. Lord, we ask you to help us tonight as we go along the way. Bless the church, Lord. We might be small, Lord, but we pray, God, that you and you alone would be magnified as a big God that works in us, Lord. Just as you work through Zebulun, just as you work through Nephtali, or just as you work through all those lands, we pray, God, that you, you alone will be magnified in, in, in salute as a whole. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.